Bravo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. So about a week, week and a half ago, Gambo reached out to her friends over at, over at uh, Arizona State and said, man, we'd love to have the new coach in studio. And Gambo started working it. And then he said, we worked it out from there. Well, I, I want to make yeah. it sound like you went through official oh, okay, channels. Yeah, okay. you know, I mean, come on, Gambo. I'm trying to... We went through the official channels. we, we got to keep Jeremy employed over here, right? Yeah. I mean, come on, for goodness sake. So we went through the official channels <clears throat> and got Kenny Dillingham to join us in studio for the rest of this 2 o'clock hour and joining us here in our auction community studios, the head coach of Arizona State University football, Kenny Dillingham, here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We met before the show, but I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Coach, thank you for stopping by. You know, we appreciate it. I appreciate it. I grew up watching or listening to this show, and uh, it's just an honor to be on here, honor to be in studio. Well, excited. Let's talk about this journey, this path to get here. At what point in your career did you realize, hey, I want to be a head coach in college football someday? I think when I when I made the transition from high school to college, I really made the transition that, okay, I'm going to do this. I want to be a head coach. And I always knew I wanted to be the head coach at Arizona State. And is, is that just because of growing up here and the ties here? What, like, what do you remember about Arizona State football from when you were a kid? I remember Jake Plummer, Pat Tome, and I remember going to games and being in the parking lot and the tailgating that would happen, all the motorhomes that would park out by the baseball field right in that area, and people would just have gigantic tailgates. And I remember the good times, and it brought people together. I mean, at the end of the day, sports is popular because it's a competitive, competitive environment that brings people together for a common cause. And that's something that's special and college football is special because it's true kids true emotion that goes into it fans they're rowdy it's college and it's just a special special thing going to a competitive college football game okay i don't want to make this about your age because so much has been made about your age but i'm just curious how old were you for the jake Plummer, pat tillman if, if that's 96 if that's, if that's your first like 90, real 90. true okay this is in my blood kind of thing how old were you for that era i was six going on 37. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So so spe- do you have a specific first memory of being in like a game cuz I cuz I'll tell you right now just I've been doing this so Gambo a long time. Covering that Rose Bowl team to this day is still the most fun I've ever had covering any team ever here in the Valley. That includes like the 2001 World Series, the Cardinals, the Super Bowl. I remember that season very, very well. Do you have a unique, specific memory that's like your first of Sun Devil football? Not necessarily specific. I remember just... Like I said, I remember family. I remember friends. I remember it being the thing to do. I remember it like the outlaws were there at the time. For That's a throwback to some Arizona people that have been here for a while. It was Sun Devil football and outlaw football. And you would go to Sun Devil games on Saturday night. That's that's what I remember. I just remember the, the tailgating, the fun. That's what you looked forward to throughout the week was, was Sun Devil football. But nothing's truly specific. You had a job to do at Oregon this year. This job has been open for a while, had been open for a while. When did you know? When did you when did you start to think, okay, it's open? They might want me. There might be, you know, when did it all kind of start to formulate together in your mind, Kenny? Well, I mean, it wasn't just, you know, when the job opened. You know, I've always had, in my mind, it's always been... People only want you if you're having success, right? So what can I do right now to be as successful as physically possible so when the opportunity comes, right, I'll be ready. So I wouldn't say it was like, 
oh, you know, a change happened. Let me try harder. Or, oh, let me do anything. It was no. It was keep doing what you're doing. Stay focused. Keep doing what you're doing. Stay focused. So for me, it's just, you know, our program is going to be about life. It's going to be about little things, intensity. It's going to be about family. It's going to be about education. We're going to be lifers. We're going to learn how to respond to adversity, the good and the bad. And the last thing is we're going to define success a certain way as being the very best you can be at whatever you're doing, right? And that's how I've lived my, my life. That's how I've been born and raised is whatever you're doing. Pour your heart and soul to it. Be the very best you can be. So I wouldn't say long-winded way to answer your question. There was a specific, my attitude changed. It was the same since I started coaching, since I've done anything in my life. It's just be successful. What can I do to help others? What can I do to be successful? Because I truly believe the best way to succeed yourself is to help the people around you. Because if you elevate them, you elevate yourself. Yeah, because you got into coaching at a very young age. 17. You're 17 years old like because you, you got hurt in high school, right? Correct. You got hurt, and right away from that point forward, is like, I'm going to be a coach. 100%. You always have somebody. We all have somebody, some mentor or somebody. What did Mike Norvell mean to you? Oh, I mean, he was the heart and soul schematically. He was the one who gave me a chance in college. He was the one who said, hey, come and sit in my meeting room as much as you want, and I'd just go and sit there. So, I mean, that's a mentor to me. That's a dear friend. Uh, I, I couldn't think of enough. You were a defensive player, though, right? I was. I was a linebacker, a really mm. crappy one. And then, and, <laughs> and then you end up you end up being an offensive guru. How's that happen? I don't know about guru. I mean, I just I learned football from a defensive perspective. So when we coach quarterbacks, you know, we're teaching what a defense does. And we're, we're almost trying to figure out what's wrong with the picture. I tell them it all the time. In this look, the defense of the linebackers should be here. If they're not here, what's wrong with the picture? Once you know something's wrong, why is it wrong? Now you can figure out what the problem is and what the pressure is. So I just look at the game from a defensive perspective. At what point, at what stop in your life did you realize, you know what, I can be a head coach in college football at a high level? I mean, I believe when I became the offensive coordinator uh, at Chaparral High School and I got 21 years old, I was leading a group of young men and it was like man I'm 21 and I have to lead and I think that was the first time I said man I can, I can do this because kids responded and I felt like I related and I felt like I could connect and I felt like I could lead people and at the end of the day that's all it's about is leading people It's the, I think it's the number one thing is to be a leader of men you have to be a leader you have to hold yourself accountable high standards but you have to be a leader because kids will follow you have to, you know, you have to have that leadership. So you think right away at Chaparral High School, you, you figured out, hey, I could do this? 100%. Incredible. That's can, a, can, yeah, that's pretty impressive. To be impressive. that young, 17 years old, and have this path to go down. Because, you know, you, you think, okay, you're young, but, man, you, you have vast amount of experiences at big-time stops. Yeah, that's what happens when you're unathletic. You know what I mean? You just start your coaching career faster. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was, uh, I didn't have to start it at 35. No doubt. I didn't have to start it, you know, post-NFL career. I got to start it, you know, after a wreck basketball yeah, right game. Prom, no doubt. Yeah, hundred percent. Kenny Dillingham, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show, the head coach of ASU football. You obviously not coaching with Oregon during the bowl. It, it's you're throwing yourself into this completely. What kind of went behind that decision? Now, yeah, I think for me, it's you know, if I'm all in, I'm all in. I think when you're all in on something, you got to invest all your time into it. And uh, I'm really excited. I'm fired up. I think in today's day and age in college football, uh, you can't be half in, half out. You got to be all in. And uh, right when this opportunity. Opened up, I knew I was all in. You have been on the job now officially for about ten days, give or take week, week, week and a half, something along those lines. Two weeks, maybe. What's been the number one thing that has taken up most of your time so far since getting this job? Oh, uh, 
first text messages. <laughs> that is one. I don't go to sleep without responding to about a hundred. I'm trying to respond to them all. I'm still four hundred short. And uh, but for me, it was meeting with players. You know, the, when I first got the job, Monday through Thursday, all I did all day was fifteen minute meetings with our current players. That's it. And I got to know them because at the end of the day, you know, you got to get to know your players because our job as coaches is to help players achieve their dreams. That's really what our job is. And if we help players achieve their dreams, by default, we're going to achieve ours as coaches. And uh, for me, you know, my career is a testament to my players, so I want to pour it back into the guys. And that was what really took up most of my time. Then hiring a staff was the next thing. And then recruiting was the next thing. And recruiting is tough because we're behind. We all know it. So it was evaluating players. One of the worst things, in my opinion, guys do is they get in and they try to impress the fans by how many people you can sign on signing day in year one, right? Well, if you look back at programs, usually those are the kids you miss on, right? Our goal is to be right. I don't care if it's three kids. I don't care if it's 25 kids. Our goal is to watch the film, build the relationship, learn the kids, and be right. Kenny Dillingham, coach of Arizona State University, our guest in studio. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be with us for another half hour or so, and we'll keep talking with him about the state of Sun Devil football. I do want to remind you that the Rock and Roll Hall of Famers Red Hot Chili Peppers headed to State Farm Stadium May 14th with the Strokes. Tickets go on sale Friday at 10 a.m. You can win a pair of tickets now by heading to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com. When we come back, players and how to get them, recruiting, transfer portals, NILs, all that fun stuff. We're going to talk with Coach Dillingham about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter Poll, presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, we have Eric with today's Twitter Poll question of the day. We've got Kenny Dillingham, head coach of ASU football, joining us in studio for the rest of this hour. So we tailor-made our Twitter poll question. How many years will it take Kenny to get ASU to the Rose Bowl? No. One, two, three. Oh, sorry. No. All right. That wasn't the question? No. no. I, I, I thought it was. No. I thought it was the question. Well, that's what you get for missing staff meetings, Gambo. <laughs> um, what is our poll question, Eric? What do you well, have Well, guys, us? it's not only a new era at ASU. It's a new era in college football, period. So the question today is, has the transfer portal become the main way to build a successful college College football program. Yes or no? No. But no. It became, it's become the main way for teams to catch up to like Alabama. Two transfer portal quarterbacks beat Alabama this year. Two. Kids that were in the transfer portal beat Alabama. So if you're, you, you can catch up, but it's not the way to build a program. You want to let the coach answer the question? Oh, it was his question? <laughs> I thought, I thought it was my question. All right, go ahead. You're, you're, you're up. I mean, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, it has to be able to add to your roster, but I think you have to build and you still have to develop young men and develop a culture if you want to sustain success in college football. What's our audience say on this one? This I one would might agree. be a little bit of a separation between perception and reality because 71.9% are saying yes. Only 28.1% the transfer portal is the main one. It's it's transfer portal or bust. 71.9%, 28.1% saying no. All right, that's a poll question you can find on the Burns and Gamble Twitter page. When you hear results like that, it's just a Twitter poll question. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it's the end-all, be-all. But you've been on the job now a couple of weeks. The transfer portal has obviously become a significant talking point, both in terms of departures and additions. Is the focus being a little misplaced when it comes to the transfer, transfer portal and how to acquire players? I don't know if misplaced is the word. 
I think every situation in college football is different. So I think every roster is different. So, you know, our roster, we only have five freshmen on the roster. So are we going to have to get some young kids from the transfer portal in order to fill the back end of the roster? Yes. Otherwise, in three years from now, we're going to have no sophomores or no senior class on the roster because we don't have that roster balance right now. So I think everybody in every school is different with how they use the transfer portal. I think every coach would tell you if they can build a roster, maintain a roster, right, they wouldn't use it. But in today's day and age in football, that's unrealistic. So I think your culture is going to determine how much you have to use the portal. If your culture over a three-year span keeps kids at home, keeps kids in your program, develops kids, you're going to lose less kids and you'll go to the portal less. If your culture is a little more toxic, a little more chaotic, you'll lose more kids, you have to go to the portal more. So I just think it does stuff the culture. I got 57% of high school kids are entering the portal. Over half of the kids that sign end up entering the portal at some point. Some kids are going two, three, four schools over the course of their their time. NIL money becomes a factor. How much is is that uh, a focus of your attention to build up the NIL uh, and work with that so that you guys can make competitive offers to some of these kids. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to do whatever I can to help this Valley get behind the program. I mean, I think that is essential to college football nowadays is our players understanding that I'm going to have their back, that I'm going to support them, that I'm going to do whatever I can from that standpoint. Uh, so I, I definitely believe in that. I definitely believe in me helping our guys and help and helping those collectives. 650, 700 kids. I'm, I'm shocked at how many kids are in the pool. There's not that many Scott Scholarships available. <laughs> that, that that is that is the weakness of the portal. Is you know not the portal doesn't help everybody, and I think it's it's sad because there's a lot of kids who go to the portal and it hurts them. And I think the portal's great because I think the portal hurts people. It hurts and it it protects players that were lied to in the recruiting process to get you to a school. So I think the portal is great because it holds coaches accountable to tell kids the truth. But where it hurts is when kids get frustrated and leave for not good reasons and find themselves stuck without a home. And I think we have to find a way to help those kids that make one poor decision in their life and now have a, you know, they're out of a scholarship. We got to find a way to protect those kids because they're still 18 to 22 year old kids. How much of your time have you allocated to trying to keep kids from leaving? I, I heard a comment from you about that on our morning show, Bickley and Murata. You've addressed it a couple of times. How, how much time do you spend convincing guys to stay or if a guy doesn't want to stay you don't worry about it how, how do you approach that I mean I walk into that building and I literally am living the dream the people the coaches I'm bringing into this building walk into that wanting to build this place. They're fired up. I want kids to walk into this building that are proud to walk into the building, that are excited to walk into the building, that have a passion about walking into the building. Right? So I told all the guys, do you want to be here? I asked him the question, do you want to be here? And if a kid wanted something, I told him the truth. I'm not going to guarantee you anything, right? Now, are there some kids who are confused? Yes. And I try to help those kids, you know, clean up the confusion in this transfer portal world. So, yes, I don't know how much time, but I'm never going to convince a kid, trick a kid or try to manipulate a kid into staying. I want them to do what's best for them. If a kid's lost and confused in this process and he's going back and forth, I'm going to spend my time trying to help him. One thousand percent. You got 10 kids that are in the portal right now that, that are planning to leave AS, ASU. I heard Deion Sanders, the new coach of Colorado, talk about he wants some some kids to 
to go to the portal. The cupboards, the cupboards are pretty bare here. The recruiting has not been good the last couple of years. Uh, when you look at roster turnover, how important is it to have some turnover, to have some of these kids actually leave to open up spots for kids that more fit into what your philosophy is? Yeah, I think the key is you want guys, if guys don't want to be here, you don't want them here. Culture wins. Through all this, there's a reason why some teams sustain success. It's because they've built up their culture. I believe until until uh, Georgia and Kirby Smart, I think he was the first head coach to win a national title after taking over a program in some time, and it took him seven years to do it. So basically what I'm saying is you're not going to hire a new coach and win overnight. The people who are patient, the people who build the culture, eventually you win, right? But it takes time. What's the key to the culture? The key because, to the, the, because the Suns did the same thing here with James Jones. Incredible. They were winning 20 basketball games a year. James Jones becomes a gym. Change the culture to make it to where guys wanted to be here, to where people are happy here. What do you? What, what's the key, in your opinion, to building the culture at ASU? One being upfront, honest, and genuine. I think people read through, read through, for lack of my term, some BS. I think kids get told what they want to hear all the time, and people make an excuse. Kids are different nowadays. Kids aren't different nowadays. People treat them different. What people want to be told is the truth. So how do you change the culture? Brutal honesty. Tell people the truth, right? And then one, you have to live your culture. You can't say my culture is A and you be personality B. So in order to change the culture, you have to be the culture, right? So if we have to say we're going to have more fun than anybody in the country, but we're going to be more disciplined. We're going to show up five minutes early. We're going to touch the line. We're going to finish through the line, right? We're going to be held accountable. We actually have to hold them accountable. So I told people in the meetings, we're going to have more fun than any team in college football. But if you do things wrong, you're probably not going to like me because I am going to hold you accountable. And I don't care that your bike tire went flat. You were late. You're late. It's cut and dry. Nobody cares in the real world why you're late. So I think how you create the culture is consistency and being genuine. That's how you create a culture. You mentioned recruiting, being behind, not wanting to make a mistake on a kid because you're behind and you're trying to rush to catch up. So along those lines, how you, you do have a lot of catch-up work to do. Again, allocating time. Time and resources going towards recruiting right now. How is that going in the first couple of weeks you've been on the job? It's going great. I mean, our staff has been up there all night watching tape. I mean, literally till 12 o'clock at night, we've been up there watching all the kids in high school that aren't signed. That maybe that are committed places, right? Watching all the kids that have hopped into the portal at position of needs. We find out if they're good enough as a player, and then we're going, okay, now let's do character evals. Let's see which kids fit our program. And when you're talking the numbers you talked about, uh, you know, thousands of kids, thousands of kids, right, through a staff change, not including the high school kids, on top of that, you're talking tireless hours of evaling kids to find the right ones. Sean Aguano uh, was actually my wife high school teacher in her government class. So I got it. And she was like the um, one of the managers for the football team at Chandler High. You kept Sean Aguano on the staff. Um, he's one of those heart and soul guys. Loves Arizona State. Loves his program. Uh, he's the only coach that you kept on his staff. Tell me why. Yeah, I mean, he's just a phenomenal human. I mean, good person. Number one, he's a great person and that matters now that still matters being a good person matters like it, people lose sight of it it matters because people play hard for people that know they have their back that's a guy who players know 
has their back. And on top of that, he's won championships in the Valley. He's connected in the Valley. He's a phenomenal football coach. He can help. He can help. But the number one thing is, he's an incredible human being that if I was, if, when my son grows up, I could drop him off and play for Sean Aguano, and I would sleep every night knowing this guy has my son's back. What's his role with the team? He's going to be our running backs coach, right? But he is extremely involved in all assets. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, one more segment with Kenny Dillingham, head coach of ASU football here in studio, the program itself, and the timetable to make this a successful program. We'll talk about that coming up here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Kenny Dillingham, head coach at ASU Football, our guest in studio. We want to thank uh, Jeremy and everybody over at Arizona State University for bringing the coach down and letting us have access to him. Gambo was the one who arranged this about a week ago, so it's great to have uh, the coach in studio with us to talk ASU football. And and something you said in the last segment really kind of stood out to me, and that's the patience that is now required when you take a job like this and the time that it takes to turn this into what you want it to be. I mean, I, I, I do think there seems to be an understanding among the fan base that this is going to be a bit of a slow build, and it's going to take a while, especially with the potential sanctions kind of looming over you from the NCAA. How much patience is required if you're an ASU fan with where you're taking this thing over right now? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if there's a time frame. It's more how quickly can we build the culture, and how quickly we can build the culture is how quickly can our staff be consistent enough to change the culture, how quickly were our players buy into the culture. So I think every single job is different. Every single situation is different. Uh, so I don't want to necessarily give a time frame for it. I mean, I, I want to win this year. I mean, crap. I want to go out there and put out put out a team that wins this year. But at the same token, we're not going to sacrifice winning for the future. We're going to put a, pro, a product on the field that we're going to build to make this place sustainable. And I think that's the difference for me wanting to be here for the next 35 years is decisions we're going to make in this program is going to be yes to win this year, but more importantly, sustainable through an, a period of time. All right, before I get to my next main question, let me just get your take on UCLA, USC and UCLA leaving the conference and where you see the conference going forward losing two powerhouse programs. Yeah, I mean, for me... With the, with the changing of the college football landscape, it's going to change every year. We're going to have different stories on teams and what's changing in conferences every single year. right? All we can focus on is us, but the big thing is the the change with the with the how many teams get invited to play for the national championship tournament now. So the, the expanding of the college football playoff right opens the doors for anybody to reach it. It doesn't matter if you're in a non-Power 5 school. It doesn't matter if you're in the Sun Belt, if you're in the SEC, if you're in the Pac-12, the Pac-10, whatever it is. So for me, right... The college football landscape is changing. I don't get caught up in how it's changing. I get caught up as how can we as a program continue to sustain a consistency of being one of those top 25 programs, top 30 programs, and then how can we change ourselves from one of those consistent top 30 programs to become a top 20, then a top 18, then a top 14. Okay. 
Now, here, here's, where, here's where I really want to pick your brain here. Because for as long as I've been here, ASU has been very consistent. Consistently average. That's what they've been. And I've been waiting and waiting for ASU to make that jump, to be that program that could win 10 games, 9 games, be a top 3 program in a conference every year, and not win 7 games and go to the damn bowl game in Hawaii. Because I've been there with Griffin Goodman and all the guys. Like I've been there. I've been to those bowl games. So I've been waiting for this. Even with the investigation, I said, don't worry. It'll take no time for ASU to get back to what they always have been, which is a mediocre program. ASU's going to win seven games. They're going to get the, the last bowl game in the conference. Every once in a while, they'll, they'll win ten bowl games and go to a better uh, – ten games and go to a better bowl game. How do you take uh, – since I've been here, 97, how do you take all that mediocrity – and take it to another level that ASU has never been at. Well, I think the city has been growing at such a rapid rate that the kids in this state, right, there's now 45 kids that go play Division I football in this state. That's something that's changed over time here. If we can keep the core of the players home, if we can keep the players in this state to say, hey, I'm going to be the change, I'm going to be the change. Not, oh, well, it hasn't changed yet, so I, I, if, they, if this player came here, I would come here. Or if this player came here, I would come here. No, I'm going to be the player that decides to come here that's the five-star, the high four-star, the elite player. I'm going to be the change. But that kid right now has other options. He 100%. could go to Ohio State. He could go to Notre Dame. He could go to Florida State. He could go to programs that he knows they're going to be good. And he knows they're going to play in big bowl games. How do you get that kid to say, you know what, I'm going to take a chance on you? Because it's not a chance. And what I say like that is it's not a chance because if a kid like that or if a group of kids like that chose to stay at home, they'd be legends forever. And when you talk about college football, to be ready for the rest of your life, imagine a group of kids, the elite players, choose to stay home as a group to change Arizona State football forever in the valley in which they retire and start their own business. The investment that they would make by coming here is going to wreak millions of dollars for them in the future. So it's a group, not a player. It could be a player. It could be a group of people. It takes one person to create a group. One person starts it. One person will follow. One person will follow. You know who that person is right now? There's do you, have, some, your, do there, you have your eye on one? I have my eye on one. I can't say who it is, but he knows who he is. He knows who he is. I can't comment on it. But is they he know a junior? They are. Is he a senior? Is he a sophomore? I, Just tell me the grade. You're I can't, not a I, player. I can't comment on it. But there's a there's some there's a a couple kids that could literally change the trajectory of their life, their life, by saying, "I was the one who started this." Are you talking with them now? Uh, of course, I'm talking with them now. Do you, do you feel good about any of them? I mean, I I feel like we're thinking. I feel like there's a group of kids in this valley who are thinking, "Why not? Why, Why not? not be the next Todd Heap, Terrell Suggs? Why not? Yeah. Because when those people, if those people make a decision to do this, they're going to be remembered for the rest of their life. And when they start a business, when they open a restaurant, when they open a car company, when they retire, right? People are going to go buy their product, and they would have been making a fifty-year decision, not what's going to be the coolest logo right now that's popular. It's going to be a decision that their parents should help them make because they understand it's a decision that's going to help them the rest of their life. One of the first things you did 
when you got here was to do the Zoom call with all the local high school coaches. What, in terms of the community, what have you felt to be the impact of your hire when it comes to the high school coaches and the level of influence they have over the kids when it comes to making a decision like that? Yeah, I think it's been great because they know they can trust us. They know regardless of where we were prior in our career, we always put the state ahead of the recruiting process. And I firmly believe in that. If there was a, a position coach who I didn't trust in recruiting, if I was out of school and I didn't trust the blank coach, just let's just say the outside linebacker coach, and there was a kid in this state that I was supposed to go recruit to play outside linebacker, I wouldn't recruit him there. Because it's, I'm not going to waste my name in this state, my integrity in this state, to just sell a kid in recruiting. So I only recruited kids from this state that I believed in the product I was selling, the coach that I was selling. So the coaches I've hired, people trust. They know if we say something, it's the truth, because we've had this state's back when we're elsewhere. Now that we're home, we need a little people to have ours. You may have changed my, uh, my thought on I've always said for, for as long as I've been here doing this show that I cannot wait for the day that an ASU football or basketball coach gets hired away by another program because it never happens. They all get fired. They don't get hired. Nobody, nobody gets offered the job at Ohio State or Notre Dame or, you know, any of the big name programs. Guys lose their jobs. I've always been because I, I think that would lead to success. That would be that would mean that guy's successful. Kenny wins a whole bunch of games. He takes them to this, this bowl game and that bowl game and they're in the playoffs one year and somebody hires you away and pays you a gazillion dollars. But you keep saying that this is this is your dream job. You don't want to go any, anywhere else. No, it's my dream job. So you my- cannot picture yourself, even with success, leaving ASU at any point. I cannot right now picture myself with success leaving Arizona State. It's interesting because I, you know, I would always think that if if somebody had that success, then somebody would want that coach, and I want that. I want somebody to want ASU's coaches because that would mean winning. That would mean the programs are winning and having success. You see where I'm going? I agree a hundred percent, and I hope I get called every other year for a job, and I can tell all these recruits, "Look, I'm making the same decision you have to make right now, and I'm choosing to stay. Why not you?" Simple as that. So you're no matter what, you're staying. This is home. Like that answer. That was good. That was really good. We're all kind of nodding our head, like, "Ooh, yeah, I like that." That was good. That this was is good. good. What more do we got? That was good. <laughs> you want to just stay the whole show? You yeah, wanna... let's just keep rolling, baby. <laughs> I think. Well, what about who's on vacation next week? I think I'm off Friday, and he's off the following week. Exactly. You want to come in and Kenny host Dillingham the show? Co-hosting the show with us. What was here? your favorite local team growing up here besides ASU? Oh, the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals. Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to brag. My family is three-time tailgaters of the year. Oh wow. The Arizona Cardinal oh, game. I, 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 I don't want to. Brag, but the birdcage was the best tailgate, you know, at the, mm. on the green lawn for many years. Okay. All right. <laughs> the smoked brisket was outstanding was in good. the birdcage. Outstanding. <laughs> Coach, it was a real pleasure making your acquaintance. It was a real pleasure having you come down here. Thank you for giving up a big chunk of your Wednesday afternoon to do it. We wish you the best of luck. I know we'll talk to you again very sometime in the near future. Thank you very much for the time. We appreciate it.